0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Hello, welcome to the show today. I'm really glad that you guys could tune in. Happy Passover, everyone. It just seems so bizarre. I completely forgot that It was Passover week this week. You know, we're all in just such strange times. And I love this time of year because it really symbolizes a time of renewal and rebirth, and it's possible to embrace change for all of us. So that's what I really love about the Passover Easter time of year. And, hey, in in my house, we have um, matzo balls, gefilte fish, and we also have chocolate bunnies. So... (laughs) You know, we do it all. Um, But I hope you all are surviving the new normal. You know, a lot of us have time on our hands to do a lot of thinking, and this can be a good and a bad thing, because we can get lost in our own thoughts and start telling ourselves stories. You know, we might be looking around now that we have a lot of extra time on our hands and think, you know, how did I get here? To uh, quote one of my favorite songs by the Talking Heads, you know, where's that beautiful house? Where's that beautiful life? Are you feeling stuck? Many of us are feeling that, you know, we're just, we're not moving, we're not growing, we're just stuck. We're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. It's such a common experience, such a common feeling. You know, many of us are struggling with past experiences that we can't control. Well, my guest today is going to offer us some ideas and strategies to reframe those questions and help us connect with the truth of who we really are, which is a divine peace of God. And my guest today is Panash Desai. He's a best-selling author, thought leader, and business and life catalyst. He empowers people to break free from suffering and social conditioning and to live a life that is truly without limits. And you may have seen him, on, seen him on Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul Sunday show. I did see that interview, which was awesome. And he's also worked with people like Deepak Chopra, Neil Donald Walsh, Dr. Brian Weiss, and James Redfield. And I've been spending a lot of time with his new book, and it's it's eye opening, and I think it's going to be life changing for a lot of people. It's called You Are Enough. And he had been touring the country up until recently to help spread this really empowering message, and hopefully he'll be able to get back on the road soon. You know, in the meantime, you can find him on his website, panashjasai.com, his Facebook page, as well as Instagram and Twitter. He's everywhere. So I'm happy to have him here right now in this present moment in time. So, Panash, welcome to the show.
1: Hi Diane, my love you and
0: my up on genie from all over the world. Oh, thank you so much for joining me. We're we're on the phone. Unfortunately, we're going to try to reconnect at the break and see if we can get some better audio quality here cuz I'm kind of having a, a hard time hearing you. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and forge ahead and see see where we can go. So I wanted to talk uh, about the book. I've been spending some time with it. I really I really love this book. This must have been a real Uh, a real labor of love for you to write this was it
1: so for me the the journey with um being an author is 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 an interesting because i am never going to be the kind of person that can just write a book a year i i have to kind of put out a body of work and then go live a little bit and uh and then have some more life experiences and go through some evolutionary kind of pieces that are very authentic to me to be able to put words to the page again and um and Shortly after the Oprah interview, um, we found out that we were pregnant again with our second set of twins. And as a part of that journey, uh, we subsequently discovered at the three to five month ultrasound that one of our twins was going to be born with a congenital heart defect. And so we went from this high of basically being on Super Soul Sunday, uh, having my book published by Penguin Random House, um, becoming one of the leading kind of figures in the whole genre and space, to then um, having this. Uh, window of crisis enter my life. And it was an 18-month journey with Celeste where we um, ushered her through five open-heart procedures and a heart transplant at 18 months old. And uh, she's five today, thank God, by the grace of God. She's here. She's healthy. And that window of time really showed me that all of these external metrics and milestones that we've been moving toward are just empty promises and that when we acquire them, they just take, like, taste like ashes in our mouth and uh, it was a time of falling away of things that I thought were important, uh, reprioritizing every area of life and living, and redefining what it meant to be Pinarashtasar. And one of the gifts that came from that window of time was this book. Uh, Once we'd managed to navigate our way through everything with Celeste, I knew that it was time to once again commit words to the page and it was time to give people access and entry to the deepest part of themselves the part that matters, the part that always is, the part that's eternal.
0: Well, it's it happens a lot, I think, when there's a big life change or a life crisis that it really does strip everything else away, right? Your priorities just come full focus, and all of that other stuff doesn't matter. I mean, what else could possibly matter when the life of a child is at stake? And I'm sure you just went through such a, an incredible transformation and growth going through something like that and i wanted to ask you you know kind of since you've been through that kind of experience a lot of us have been through those kinds of experiences and there's always change i mean do you think there has to be a major pulling out of the rug so to speak or a hitting rock bottom for change to really happen or do you think that it's it can be merely a catalyst
1: i think it's just a catalyst i think the crisis is the greatest catalyst of all i think that Crisis allows grace to enter our lives, and uh, it shows us who we are and who we're not, and it shows us what's important and what isn't. And I think that very quickly when crisis begins to work its magic uh, in every moment, uh, the one thing that we are prompted to become is vulnerable and to express our vulnerability. And in that vulnerability, uh, of course, that egoic construct and that identity begins to crumble and dissolve and disappear. And so for me, it was a a wonderful time of peeling off of me all of the the boxes of identification, the the way in which people were relating to me, you know, the way in which an entire industry and genre wanted me to be, um, how I was being positioned to be. It was just a wonderful return to authenticity, a wonderful return to who I was, a wonderful return to my heart. And I have to say that Um, as painful as it was, and and as much as I experienced excruciating amounts of powerlessness being a father who was unable to make a difference in the life of my own daughter, that powerlessness and that welcoming of that powerlessness allowed me to break through that to access authentic power. And so the blessing of this time was that uh, all of a sudden everything was stripped away, but But of course, the only things that that get stripped away are things that aren't real anyway, the things that aren't sustainable, the things that don't matter, you know, the the things that quite honestly, when we look back on life, aren't going to really be remembered. And so uh, this fundamental revision, um, I feel, has uh, truly allowed us to powerfully um, express this message in in a new way. And. And deliver this body of work into the world and connect with people uh, in the way that I always have them. And um, I don't see it as hitting bottom at all because I don't think that we're ever hitting bottom necessarily. I think it's just evolving beyond where we are, breaking free of yet more of of the collective agreements and the unconscious, you know, breaking through all these layers of illusion and returning to the truth that resides at our core.
0: Right. And that's such a great lesson, I think, for people to take away when a lot of times when we're in that kind of experience, we're so wrapped up in, you know, the grief or whatever we're dealing with. And then I know it can seem trite to say to someone, well, this can be your moment of greatest growth and change and transformation, when a lot of times we won't see it at that moment because we're just so caught up in, you know, in what's going on. But it really can be a moment of of great change if people can open up and be vulnerable, I guess, and and embrace that and and be open to the change. I mean, the book, uh, I had so many amazing moments, you know, when I was reading this because um, it's so timely, You, you know, I'm sure you had no idea how could you of what we'd be going through at this at this time you know, when you were writing that book, but all of us, you know, feeling uh, the different feelings and emotions that this shared collective experience that we're having right now with this pandemic, um, to be able to see the the, the lights coming through the cracks, you know, like the story that you share in the book about the Buddha encased in clay, and being a beautiful gold statue underneath, you know, only through the cracks uh, can the light come through. And I think that's that's such a powerful message. And I wanted to ask you, too, um, you know, reading in the beginning of the book, you share a little bit of, of your life story and growing up. And you said that you've always had the ability to experience other people's emotions, you know, what we would call an empath, I guess, um, you know, people having that ability. I think we all do to some degree. Um, but that must have been really difficult for you growing up, right? I mean, weren't you just kind of like a big sponge, you know, feeling all these people's feelings around you?
1: 100%. But I think it was, for me, it was even more than just feeling their feelings. I mean, I, could, I literally became them. It's almost like I would experience reality through, through their eyes and through their, their kind of lens of experience. And um, because everything, you see, is, is, is recorded in our vibrational field. And so when I meet people, the part of them that I meet first is their energy. And everything is in your energy. Your past, your present, your future, everything that you've gone through, everything you've experienced, it's all there. And so when you cultivate this sensitivity or you stop being afraid of it, you begin to be able to use that gift to support the transformation of people around you. Uh, You also begin to realize that we're more similar than we are different and uh, that when you're living from this unique lens of oneness, um, more often than not, the tendency is to veer away from it because everybody else is pretending not to be God. And everybody else is pretending not to be their magnificence. And so after a while, you begin to succumb to that pretense. And then eventually there's a point where the suffering just becomes excruciating and loud, and you have to revert back to who you were. And that's typically right around the time when you have some sort of an awakening experience or remembering experience, and you're catapulted back uh, onto your path, but just from a more empowered place. I think that the whole act of being human is a giant act of compassion. You know, we we leave this source potential, this source energy to come down here to experience trauma and abuse and loneliness and isolation and guilt and shame and separation. And all of these manifestations uh, that existed long before we were born so that we can wake up in the midst of them. And in waking up in the midst of them, transform them and begin to shift our experience within ourselves from being one we don't feel like we're enough to all of a sudden realizing that we are and that we always have been. And that shift is so powerful because until that happens, we're just externally striving and pursuing and, you know, pushing for things uh, that ultimately uh, we're not going to be able to enjoy even once we acquire them. And so the impermanence of the material manifest world is made very obvious uh, in those states of connection. And then at that point, wisdom prevails and we begin to once again revert back to what was always inside of us, realizing that, you know, at the core of who we are is everything you know, this essential self, this part of us that is, you know, the totality of existence is the source of every experience that we're really wanting to have. And that, to me, is the crux of the spiritual journey, the curiosity with which we live our lives, and the devotion with which we engage in our practice.
0: And one of the things that may be challenging for some people as we're going through this process, um, what you're calling the the essential self could that be construed as also our soul our our divine our our the piece of ourselves that is divine
1: absolutely would that, would that be so right? the, essential, the essential self as we would define it is the part of us that never changes now when we right. think about that that's that's quite the statement because because right now when we look at our world everything around us is changing you know the the way in which we socially interact with one another is fundamentally changing Uh, Our bank balance is fundamentally changing. Our investment account is fundamentally changing. Our um, uh, job status is fundamentally changing. Most people are going through a shift in their relationship right now because they're finally home with their spouse. uh, And they're finally having to deal with everything from their relationship that they didn't deal with because they were just busying themselves externally. And so everything outside of us is always fundamentally changing. But that one constant is the essential self. That one constant is the soul. And what's cool about it, Diane, is that how it translates in the human experiences is peace. When I'm feeling peaceful, I'm being myself. Everything else that I'm experiencing isn't who I am. Every other sensation and feeling has a beginning and an end. But that peace that I'm connected to and that I have the ability to build my life upon is the truth that resides at the level of my heart and my soul. And I think that what's been missing, particularly in the Western world, uh, is the experiential framework of enlightenment or the experiential framework for divine connection. We haven't had one. You know, We've been trying to get there through the mind. We've been trying to get there through belief, but we haven't gotten there at the level of feeling. And as we know now, our universe is a feeling-based universe. It's responding to how we feel. And so if we can once again return to that peace, return to that truth, connect with that part of us that never changes— All of a sudden, we begin to live this life that is filled with grace and ease. And the two signposts that we have, that we are connected to that aspect of us, is that we become less reactive because we're no longer personalizing our reality. And secondly, we experience heightened synchronicity and possibility because we're living in a state of flow. We're able to be with what is. We're able to accept life in its totality. We're no longer in aversion to our humanity. And when we end our resistance to being ourselves, We end our resistance to life, and that's when all of a sudden we begin to see the luminous nature of reality, the luminous nature of life itself, and that is our samadhi.
0: And by samadhi, you mean coming back to our essential self, to that feeling?
1: Yes, we're living inside of a 10-year window right now where humanity is being purged of all survival-based energies. So literally every form of fear, lack, and scarcity that we've been holding onto has to be purged so that we can evolve and so that we can ascend and remember that who we really are is light, who we really are is divine, who we really are is love. And so the more we're able to recognize that we are able to live in this state of connection, that this peace is our natural state of being, that it's who we really are, the more we anchor it into our experience and anchoring it into our experience makes this state of samadhi or union completely possible and available for all people. It's not just reserved for monks and for for people who are, you know, engaged in deep, deep, deep spiritual practice. This is naturally who we are. It's the part of us that's been conditioned out of us. You know, we've been been taught to look outside of ourselves instead of relax into the infinite totality of who we are internally and express and create and innovate and bring forth, um, Every expression of love and collaboration from that place of connection
0: and that can be a real radical idea and concept for a lot of people where um, they may have been brought up thinking that uh, God is a a construct outside of ourselves something that we Mm -hmm. have to submit to uh, you know turn turn everything over to or that kind of thing and actually what you're saying probably would have gotten you burned at the stake you know back in Tudor times, <laughs> or or even or before, you know, as being heretical, in that all of us have that ability to uh, commune with with the divine, to commune with God, and that we are all essentially pieces of, of God, right? And I thought it was so interesting, um, looking back on your interview, on the Super Soul Sunday interview, and I remember Oprah asked you the question, what is God? And you just got this, like, really uh, beautiful, peaceful kind of smile on your face. And you just said, you know, God is love, God is love, you know, and it, and it seems so simple, like simplistic to, to break it down like that. But really, when you think about it, God, God really is love, the force that has the trees communicate with each other with their root systems that with one tree is cut down, the other trees will kind of connect and sustain it and keep it keep it going. That force that love force to me that, that would be God, right? Isn't wouldn't that be God?
1: Yes, there's a there's a, an energy or a force or a Shakti that permeates all life. And this energy mm-hmm. and force and Shakti was known in every mystical tradition in Park since the beginning of time. And every incredible messenger has pointed to that force, that Shakti, that, that light, that love as the truth of who we are. And so this is a time of remembering ourselves as that light, That we're, the remembering ourselves as a part of nature, remembering that that same infinite intelligence is facilitating that process in nature. It's facilitating everything inside of the body that we need right now, the trillions of processes, to be able to have this conversation and to be able to exchange energy and ideas in the way that we are. So anything less than recognizing that you're a miracle is doing yourself a disservice. And just to go back to the original point, I think that any... Any form of teaching or any form of doctrine or any form of ideology that doesn't point you back to the God within is blasphemous. Because the truth is that ultimately then what we're doing is externally empower, empowering some external form and perpetuating separation and fundamentally disempowering people from their own connection. And when we think about it, uh, some of the root cause of why we don't feel like we're enough is because of the majority of the religious conditioning that's been perpetuated in the Western world. You know, God, this kind of notion of God with anger management issues and, you know, God's keeping score and, you know, God's watching you And this very conditional relationship. that's almost a very human lens through which God has been portrayed. So when I'm speaking about right. God, I'm speaking about the infinite totality, this infinite ocean of energy and presence and light that we're all a part of. And what I've discovered uh, through my own personal experiences is that that infinite field of energy is relating to us in whatever way we have the capacity to communicate with it. It's, it's, it's connecting with us in whatever way we have the capacity to relate to it. So basically, in short, we're all translating infinity uniquely. And we're all having a relationship with that infinite presence in our own unique way. The infinite ocean is experiencing itself as the drop.
0: Right. And the separation from that is what's causing all of our unhappiness, is, what, is what's making us uh, making us crazy.
1: Yeah, the separation from that is the root cause of all human suffering. You know, even healing. You know, healing is a notion that's based in duality. It's very dualistic. You know, when we, when we look at the essence of, of what this whole thing is about, again, every wisdom tradition points to the root of healing as reunification with one's soul. And, and in working with people now so over 20-something years of my life, I've seen over and over again that once somebody is reunited with who they are, at their deepest level, at the level of their essential self, all of these things that they're dealing with, at the level of their life and living, just come into harmony and balance, because all of a sudden they're no longer um, distorting their reality through the lens of their pain, right? So where there's pain, there's distortion, and then you experience fragmentation, right? But if you're able to operate from peace, then in that point you're perceiving reality clearly, which means you see the luminous potential that is light, and that becomes your experience. And that's the mystical experience that, you know, St. Francis and so many other great beings spoke of where they, could, where they could basically see this luminous light present in all things. And that reality is available to us all. We just have to have the courage to lovingly embrace who we are at the level of our humanity because our humanity is the doorway to our divinity. We can't bypass it. We can't avoid it. We can't pray it away. We can't meditate it away. At some point, we have to embrace who we are in our entirety and embrace the totality of the human experience. The very second we become accountable and responsible for every single thing that we're experiencing and going through, we realize oneness. Because in oneness, life is as we are.
0: Uh, but now you've gotten to the crux of it right there. We have to accept, right, and ask ourselves those questions and it, it, accept all of those things, right, as part, part of the human experience. And I think that's what where we have trouble what causes us to, to trip ourselves up, mm. you know, peeling back all of those layers. And what, what I thought is so interesting, I mean, I love exploring, you know, family of origin stuff and, and figuring out where things come from, what we've learned, our beliefs, you know, where those things come from. And, and what you describe so beautifully in the book, you know, the main issue um, you say is that we're choosing to believe as fact, you know, what other people, our family, society, religion. You know, et cetera. You know what all of those things have decided to teach us. We we were taught those things, and we and we accept them. You know, from birth we don't even know. We're we're brought up believing those things, and then we're what what your book is challenging us to do is start dismantling those layers, and that can be, um, you know, it's not a fast process, right? I mean, that can that can take a while to do. Well, But depends. the end result
1: it, it... is is peace. Yeah, it it can be a fast process. You just need the right tool guide. You know, if you're if you if you're with somebody who's gone through it and, and who's able to guide you through it, it can, it can be a very fast process. It's like, you know, we as human beings represent shortcuts for each other. Like if I wanted to learn how to host a radio show, you would be a shortcut for me because you've gone <laughs> through everything that you have to developmentally to be able to hold that space of possibility for me. And in that same way, we hold that space of possibility for each other. This is the genius of who we are as a species. Every right. single person in our lives to a certain degree has mastered some element of life and living. And, and that represents a shortcut for everyone else who wants to have that experience. And so uh, that entry point into oneness, into the essential self is expedited uh, when you connect with somebody who has had that experience and who embodies that experience and lives from it. And that's the blessing you see in India um, there's, there was no self-help movement or no, no little books or stuff like that. You know, people would just teach through presence. And uh, that presence is literally the liberated potential and power of the soul. What happens is the more you accept and embrace who you are, the more that potential that resides within us breaks free of the emotional layer, and then it breaks free of the mental layer, and then it breaks free of the physical layer until eventually it fully permeates our energy, body, or aura. At that point we start to embody presence and in that presence people catalyze their transformation they catalyze their awakening and and what i discovered was that that was happening through me my whole life it was just happening unconsciously you know i had no idea that that's what was going on and um the blessing is that now i'm aware of of what's happening and how it's working and how it supports people and so you know we've we've got a, a window of time within which to truly get this and embody this. And it's my deepest wish for everyone that's listening that they connect and that they begin to recognize that it's incumbent upon them to end separation within themselves by recognizing that everything that they've been told, all these boxes of compartmentalization and identification are just nothing more than fear-based constructs, that who they are at the level of their being is love. And that the more they can bring that nurturing, loving presence every aspect of themselves that they've been taught to disregard or reject or in some way hide, the more they're able to illuminate their shadow, the more they're able to liberate all of that trapped potential, and the more they're able to embody presence for the benefit of every other human being who has yet to remember.
0: See, that's amazing. And just in this moment, I dismantled the the idea that it would take a long time. (laughs) And when you just said it could happen, it could happen quicker you know you don't have to devote years and years of uh, you know beating yourself up or something like that to get to an, an enlightened space it, it can happen faster so thank you see you just you, you opened my eyes to that we're gonna take a short break we'll be right back to talk more with Panash Desai about his amazing book you are worthy practical spirituality positive messages This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, The Diane Ray Show. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so glad you could join me after the break. I'm Diane Ray chatting with Panash Desai about his new book and the incredible message that he's sharing out there. The book is You Are Enough. And I apologize to Panash during the break. Oh, I said your book was called You Are Worthy. You know, I'll make sure I correct myself. He's like, oh, don't worry. You know, it's the, the message will, uh, you know, will transmit <laughs> the same. But the book is called You Are Enough. And I encourage you to pick this up and give it a read, you know, especially if you've got some time on your hands now to really go inward and ask yourself some questions. Um, this book will will challenge you to do that. And I think you're going to come away with a really uh, great understanding and deeper love for yourself, which is uh, one of the messages that I was able to come away with it. Um, so Panache uh, before the break we were talking a little bit about peeling back the layers and starting to dismantle some of the beliefs and uh, outdated ideas that we might be holding on to that are causing us pain from you know our, our family society, uh, religion, religion and, and so forth you know things that we kind of just layer upon layer year after year get bigger and bigger that wrap around us. And two, two of the emotions, I think, that are really strong, things that were learned and, and taught, guilt and shame. Mm. And, and you say in the book, guilt and shame are conditioned emotions. And these are such powerful things that people deal with. And what what are your thoughts on that, you know, ways that we can alleviate, you know, those feelings of guilt and shame that can really be paralyzing for people?
1: So... Um, guilt and shame really constitute the foundation of this feeling of not being enough and subsequently then translate that's a root cause of every form of dissatisfaction, addiction, inability to actualize potential. It really is the foundation of what's in the way of us receiving the life that we deserve to live. And when we look at it, um, really in truth, guilt and shame aren't really emotions. You know, we are made to feel guilty. We are made to feel ashamed Uh, specifically around sexuality, for example. Um, We're made to feel guilty about having things. We're made to feel guilty about being happy. We're made to feel guilty about a lot of things. It's used as a control mechanism. And um, it particularly comes out during family holidays and vacations when you go home for the holidays. uh, Everyone automatically pretends to be about 30% more miserable than they actually are (laughs) because they're surrounded by a group of ninjas who know exactly how to dismantle them with one point of the finger. You know, and so all of a sudden, uh, guilt and shame has been weaponized to keep people out of their connection and out of feeling like they're enough. And so, sitting with these feelings is really important. And what I would say to you is that God loves all that you are. That there's no part of you that's wrong. There's no part of you that's a mistake. You know, God wasn't having a bad day when you were made. How you express your sexuality is perfect, right? How you feel about yourself is wonderful, right? And so, what we have to do is recognize that. Nothing in nature needs to attend a self-help seminar. You know, squirrels don't go to abundance workshops to figure out how to 10x their nuts, right? They don't do that, (laughs) right? Nothing, Nothing in nature questions the perfection of its design, right? We're the only species that because we've become analytical, we've introduced an analytical process into one that's just meant to be experiential. And so what we have to recognize is this. That we may never be enough for the people around us, but at some point we have to be enough for ourselves. And again, it comes back to, listen, when I experienced the divine, I experienced this infinite ocean of energy. There was no rule. There was no judgment. There was no requirement. There was nothing. There was just pure love beyond any human definition of the word. And this is who we are. And this is what we're awakening to now. And so when you find yourself having a moment of, feeling ashamed about something or feeling guilty about something, just take a breath, just pause, just meet yourself with some empathy, meet yourself with some compassion, and know that you are the perfect child of the divine. You are the perfect creation and manifestation of source energy. And that no part of you is wrong. No part of you is being judged. Everything just needs to be held. It needs to be embraced. It needs to be nurtured. And at some point, what you're going to do is welcome these parts of you that feel ashamed or that feel guilty. You're just going to hold them, invite them into your heart. And through inviting them into your heart, you're going to realize that there was never anything that you had to apologize for. There was never anything that you had to hide. You know, there was was no reason for you to diminish your receiving. There was no reason for you to ever withhold the love that you were worthy of and that was meant for you. You know, it's funny because Diane said the book was called You Are Worthy. And, and I said, you know what? Actually, when you get that you're enough, you open up to the truth that you are worthy, that you always have been, that we don't have to prove our value. We don't have to strive and attain and struggle, you know, and 10x every area of our reality. That just by virtue of the fact that we're alive, we wake up, we win the mega million jackpot every day. And all we have to do is meet every moment with a sense of appreciation and wonder. And and embrace all that we are. And in the embracing of all that we are, all of these false narratives and false pieces of identification, and personalization, just begin to unwind themselves. Enlightenment is an entirely destructive process. It's not about attaining anything. It's about fundamentally destroying everything that's been superimposed over the light that you are. And the most effective way to do that is to accept it, to embrace it, to love it to work with it, to nurture yourself in the midst of it, to give yourself the love that you have no problem sharing with everyone else in your life. Direct that love toward yourself and that empathy and that compassion and know that you are God.
0: Well, to get to that place, I think what holds a lot of people back from really loving themselves is letting go and accepting of whatever has happened in the past, and so many people have a hard time letting go and just rehashing past mistakes or past decisions. And I think that people get stuck. I mean, I'm I'm sure I've I've done it, you know, many times as as a human. I, you know, you just can't kind of look back and you're and you're rehashing and reliving and regretting things that you can't change, you can't go back, you can't unring the bell. Ba- uh, is i like to say a lot of times so what would you suggest to help us get out of that downward spiral of of looking back and regret of, of things that we can't change to really move forward to love ourselves as we are right now of, of, of what you're asking us to do in the book that we are enough right now as we are no matter what we've done in the past so, or bad decisions we've made
1: Right. So that's a great question. So where we are right now is more evolved than we were when we made those choices and those decisions. So when we look back on ourselves, it's easy for us to say now, oh my God, I wish I'd chosen something else or I wish I'd made another decision because we have a higher vantage point and vista or ability to perceive than we did at that point. Also, we love ourselves more than we did back then. And so As it relates to how we were in life, again, all we have to do is embrace that. See, the thing that I've discovered is that every single human being is living inside of the memory of themselves. They're not even really relating to the truth of who they are in this moment. And what constitutes a memory is heightened emotion. And so in India, we call these imprints samskaras. And what happens is when there's a life event, every single life event is recorded in the subconscious mind. And these samskaras are deep imprints. And the imprints that we have to focus on are the ones that are heavily emotionally charged. Because the more we go back and integrate those emotions, and the more we turn and face those parts of us that we believed made a bad mistake or that were wrong, and the more we embrace them, the more we liberate all of this emotion that's there. And the more we liberate all of that emotion, the more we create a present moment relationship with ourselves. And this is how we begin to transform our relationship with ourselves out of one where we're constantly repeating the past over and over again to where we're profoundly able to be present and choose in this moment that which is a reflection of who we really are so what you're talking about diane is actually unconscious creation Uh, if there's a repetitive cycle uh, that's based in pain that continues to show up in your life over and over again there's something that you have to pay attention to that you're not paying attention to inside of yourself and as a part of the work of vibrational transformation, of people are in impact or working with me, part of the work that we do is to go back and to resolve all of that so that people can be fully present. Because once we liberate all of that energy, a human being is returned to flow and returned to harmony. And from that place, they access unlimited possibilities and potentials. And so the only thing that needs to happen with the past version of yourself is you just need to give it a hug. You literally just need to embrace that version of you at whatever age and just, let, and just be at peace with it. Because the That's truth right. is that what people don't realize is that we're on this perfect timeline of human experience. And it's only the, the the false notion that we could ever mess it up or that something other than God could be happening that has a second guess our journey. You know, in, in speaking to you now, we're speaking to you in the height of this whole COVID-19 crisis. And, you know, the last crisis I went through was the the direct hit hurricane that happened in Naples. The crisis before that was the last. The crisis before that was oh eight, and 09. And the crisis before that was September the 11th. And because I've gone through all of those different crises in their various forms and, and was able to navigate the intricacies of each of those and support people through each of those, when COVID-19 rolled around, I was ready. I was prepared. But this is what our past experiences do for us. They allow us to glean the experiences that we need to have so that we can be fully equipped for the present, so that we can be fully available to be of service. And the degree to which we've gone back and liberated ourselves of this memory of who we once used to be, by freeing ourselves of these samskaras, these deep imprints, the more we're able to realize that truly that's what our life is. It's about being of service. At some point, our life stops being about us, and and, and we, and we take our place in this greater collective expression, and we begin to serve as a vessel and a vehicle through which upliftment happens, inspiration happens, through which evolution happens, development happens, and people remember who they really are.
0: Right. Oh, that's so interesting. That whole concept of samskaras, to explain the the deep wounds, you know, the psychic wounds that. A lot of people hold for so many years and so that that being said what, what you just explained would you say or would you think this is true the statement everything happens for a reason because we often hear that you know thrown around and is, is it everything happening for some reason or are, are we making an explanation for ourselves to understand something are we creating the reason
1: I think that everything happens because we've chosen to have the experience of that thing. Uh, I think the reasoning part is what gets in the way. Mm. I think people yeah. spend too much time trying to understand their experiences instead of just realizing that we're here in an experiential reality to have experiences. And those experiences are experiences of contrast. And, and, and this is how we grow and evolve. Think of it this way. It's like every single human being is literally balancing out everything that they have to through every experience that they're having. And it's all happening right now. And so everything that we're going through is simply happening for us to return to a place of harmony internally. And so when we see it that way, we can welcome every experience equally, right? From the happiest moment to the saddest moment to the most heartbreaking moment to the the most gut-wrenching moment to the most fearful moment to the, the most joyful moment. It's just a landscape of experiences that are just constantly passing by, right? And who we are is the constant that never changes, right? So I, I liken it to being uh, on one of those beautiful uh, floaties, uh, rainbow-colored unicorn floaty, just floating down a stream, <laughs> just enjoying the scenery of life. And that scenery is going to be whatever it's going to be. But as long as we remember that who we are is the witness,
0: who we yes. are is
1: the one who's observing, who we are is the one who's present, at that point, we're not suffering because we know that in any moment that experience will change. You know, and those of us that have lived long enough to go through whatever iteration of crisis that we've gone through, we know that there's something greater on the other side of it. Why? Because we've gone through it. Right. So the, so, so, where the most struggle is right now is in, in in young adults who are kind of in their early 20s who have gone through no crisis in their lives. And this is the first thing that they're going through and they just have no idea how to navigate their way through this, because they didn't go through 08 and 09, you know, they didn't go through the majority of things that the rest of us have gone through, right? That at the time when they were happening, we were just like, this is just surreal and unbelievable that this is unfolding, right? Right. They, They don't have
0: the frame of reference.
1: Exactly. But subsequently, the world comes together, we find a way, we're a very resilient species, the human body is very resilient and uh, we're able to continue on and carry on and and the blessing in all of this is that in this time we get to redefine what it means to be human for ourselves you know are we going to continue to choose survival over love you know are we going to continue to choose the economy over the health and well-being of our brothers and sisters right what is it that we're prioritizing because the more we choose love and oneness and the health and well-being of who we are over survival the more we're going to pass through this window of time with grace and ease.
0: Right. Oh, I love that. And I, I've been working a lot myself with the concept of the witness Mm. and I love that the witness and the observer. And, uh, and now I have the visual of being in the unicorn floaty. I like, I like that. I like that visual and just kind of observing, uh, as it's floating by and not attaching yourself to that or attaching yourself to the outcome, that's that's a really powerful lesson. Now, you're just to switch gears just a little bit, you're on social media a lot, and I see your meditations out there. You've got some incredible content out that out there to share. and, you know, there's, there's such the the good and bad with social media. And a lot of people spend so much time comparing themselves to others and racing to get the next big thing, acquiring the next thing, accomplishing the next goal, you know, so they can share it on social media and how, like how do you use it for the good or how can people maybe take the lesson of not getting caught up in, in the comparison, you know, their, their life is better than my life. And because it seems like it's something that we've only had to deal with, you know, recently, like in this generation, because, you know, when I was a kid, it, I didn't worry about so much what someone I went to grade school with was doing when I was college age. You know what I mean? Like I didn't compare myself <laughs> to them. And I think it's just we're, we're seeing that in our faces so much more now.
1: So for me, I see it as a tool uh, to support awakening and to support people in remembering who they are. So the very moment uh, the World Health Organization declared this a global pandemic, I basically postponed the book tour. And I immediately said to Chris, who runs the company, I said, Chris, we have to make all of my time available to support people in every possible way. And that's exactly what I've been doing. Uh, People who are shuttering businesses, making very tough financial choices, people who are dealing with having family members on respirators and ventilators, people who are just overwhelmed by panic. Um, and and it's been nonstop. And so, uh, for me, social media just becomes an extension of whatever you want it to be. Uh, I I think we give it its power, and what we choose to amplify is what gets amplified. Um, I I I don't have any interest in you know just pushing out memes and quotes and and different things that everybody else is doing just to you know kind of rig an algorithm. You know, for me, it's about using it as a vessel in the vehicle through which the truth can be broadcast to people all over the world. You know, I have a community of people, five hundred thousand people on Facebook all over the world. And for me it gives me it gives me ease of access to them and ease of communication. Right. And so um we've been joined by thousands of people live on the Call to calm Meditations every morning at nine AM Eastern. Those get posted on all social media platforms at one eleven PM Eastern And it just becomes an extension of who you are. It becomes an issue when you compare your self-image to other people's self-images. right? So basically at that point when you're using it uh, purely as um, uh, a tool of comparison or a mode of comparison to see how well you're doing, you're going to be suffering because everyone's putting their best Photoshop life up. And you're comparing yourself against their best Photoshop life. Uh, There isn't a lot of reality on social media. Right. And so so we have to, again, learn that we get to use it however we get to use it. We get to amplify whatever we want to amplify uh, and that we also need to understand that, you know, social media is a very convenient place for the collective unconscious of humanity to be expressed. You know, we see the shadow and we see the light and the blessing in what I've discovered is that the light trends in a much more impactful and powerful way than more of those shadow qualities and aspects that have yet to be embraced. And so use it uh, as a vessel and a tool through which you get to amplify love in the world, collaboration in the world. You know, you get to collaborate, you know, uh, amplify a a beautiful message or a beautiful uh, meditation of your own or something that you have to share. And the more you use it for that, the more you are using it as a vessel and a tool through which awakening and remembrance unfolds.
0: Right. Using it as a a message for good and not, yep. not going into the dark side as much as possible. And you have some really great stuff out there for people to, to sample if they'd like. I was watching a, a video of one of your talks uh, this morning before our talk. And and hopefully our conversation will go out and, and maybe touch some people. You never know. Um, so that's how I like to think of it. If, if I'm putting something out there, I mean, I want it to be helpful and, and to touch people. So I do, li- I do like it for that, and I yeah. do try to stay away from, from the comparison. Um, but one of the things I wanted to to bring up about one of your meditations, just you had this great tool or a great exercise that you led, led people through in the talk that you did in Austin. If people want to check it out, it's from Unity on the Hills in Austin, Texas. Uh, just an amazing lecture that you gave there. And you asked people to, you know, love their love their depression, you know, love their bodies. Mm. And I just thought that was so great. I mean, have, have you been doing that exercise with people for a while?
1: I have. You know, it started with Discovering Your Soul Signature, actually in my first book, because uh, I, I wrote that book because of Oprah, honestly, that the running joke uh, was that I was going to all these author conferences and doing the keynote at all these author conferences, and I didn't have a book. And it was hysterical because like Neil would come up to me and Greg Braden would come up to me and Joe Dispenza would come up to me and everyone would come up to me and say, you know, you have a book in you, don't you? And I would just go, yeah, 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 whatever. And then (laughs) made it onto Super Soul Sunday without a book. And people couldn't believe that I had done that. And at the end of the interview, uh, Oprah was just so touched by our time together and she winked at me. And she said, trust me, write the book. You know, you did all of that without a book. Now you need to write the book. And so discovering your soul signature was born. And I, I wanted it to be more than a book. I wanted it to be an experience that people could embark on. And I knew that the most pressing need at that time was for people to come into the acceptance of themselves. And so literally it's a 33 day journey out of judgment into acceptance. And that book laid the foundation for me to be able to write you are enough, which is a much deeper exploration of who we are beyond all these points of identification, beyond who we are at the level of our humanity. And so think of it this way. It's like, discovering your soul signature is what you need to connect with in order to embrace your humanity. And then you are enough is what you need to connect with in order to actualize that potential and embody it completely and express it in the world.
0: Right. Wow. That was, I didn't realize that you hadn't had a book at that point that that is quite an accomplishment To, uh, you you know, jump on, jump on Oprah and not have a book, but then I know she was waiting for it. She was encouraging you to, to write that. But in that exercise, you also ask people to, um, you know, accept our anger, accept our fear. Uh, All of those things are, you know, whatever our, our outside concept of of what we are, oh, maybe I'm carrying a, a, a few extra pounds, you know, maybe I'm too old. All, all of those things. And that, that's all meaningless, right? That, that's nothing. And that was just the great, one of the great messages I took from this book, From You Are Worthy.
1: Oh, thank you. You know, what happens is the more we embrace uh, our humanity and the more we embrace these parts of ourselves that we've been taught to judge, the more they're transformed. You know, and then, and then all of a sudden it's like we create our own relationship with these things, even to the point where we don't have to label them anymore. You know, And, and it's fascinating because how do we actually really know what sadness is? We've been told what sadness is. We've been told what it means about us. But how do we actually know what anything is? And what you discover is that all of these boxes of identification become limitations. And the more we can free ourselves of these boxes of limitation, these boxes of identification, and just be with all of these things, just in the way that we would be with anything, you know, in its totality, the more we realize that actually it's not what we've been told at all. You know, our anger isn't wrong or bad when we just experience our anger inside of ourselves and it begins and ends within us, that's the end of it. It doesn't need to be acted out on another person. The only reason why we struggle with anger is because it's only ever been modeled to us in a way that was dysfunctional, because it was projected outwardly and made about somebody else. But when we realize that oneness is about uh, 100% accountability and responsibility, so when we become radically responsible for our experience and we realize that every emotion is beginning and ending inside of us, and that who we are is really this brilliant manifestation of divine source potential. At that point, we uncover the emergence of the essential self, right? this Mm -hmm. gem that lives inside of us. And then our life goes from being one where we're struggling and we're suffering and where we're resistant to everything that's great, grand, as well as resistant to everything that we have to feel, to simply just trusting and surrendering. And uh, so where uh, Soul Signature ended, uh, with love, uh, this book ends with trust and surrender.
0: So it, it's such an amazing book. I really hope people pick this up. It's been so cool to talk with you. This this time has just flown by. We've only got just like two minutes left. But I wanted to ask you: Do you feel that the 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 light, the the beautiful love that we can experience within us is what we go back to, right? When, when we leave this earthly realm and, you know, get out of these meat suits that we're in, is, that's Absolutely. where we go back, right?
1: Absolutely. You know, one of my favorite people in the world is Anita Murjani. and uh, my other favorite person is Joe Walter Taylor. And uh, the reason why I love them so much is because they both had a moment of dying and uh, had an experience uh, of themselves beyond the physical reality that we You know, take for granted and so invested in. And they understand uh, everything that I'm talking about so perfectly because they've experienced it beyond themselves, right? They understand it to be the truth. And it's interesting because the more we experience the phenomenon of near death and the more we look at what happens uh, when we transition beyond our physical form and beyond all of these limitations and constraints. The more we connect with that infinite ocean of presence and energy, the more we realize that everything is love, and that that's what this is about. And so, absolutely, uh, we we start to live. Really, I mean, once we've had that experience, we start to be able to live. You know, because we're not afraid anymore. You know, we're right. not we're not all of a sudden uh, confined to a very narrow parameter around what it means to be human. Um,
0: yeah. The fear is gone. <laughs> it's been so great to talk with you, Panache. Um, we're just going to wrap up here. But I urge people to check out Panache online, panachedesai.com. Pick up the book, You Are Enough. There's some life-changing information in here. And thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us today here on UnityOnlineRadio.org.
1: Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I am an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul,